Welcome to another episode of Class Clowns with Chino Liao. We have a good one for you. I know I said that, I say that every week, but I promise you this time I actually mean it. Today, we are talking about poker. Yes, the card game that you see on TV. We are talking about the different techniques and strategies used. Uh, used in poker um, as taught to us by poker coach and the country head of PP Poker, Mr. Ron Regis, as well as poker enthusiast, take note enthusiast, not addict, Mr. Michael Sadi. Now before we proceed with the episode, I just like to say that throughout we are going to be using a lot of poker terminology. If you are familiar with it, then good for you. But if not, a lot of resources are available online that can explain to you the subtleties and nuances further, as well as give you a brief definition of certain words used in this episode. Again, I'd like to thank my podcast network, Asia Family, for making this show very, very possible. And without per, without further ado, let's buy in. Huh? See that? See that? See what I did there? Huh? Let's buy in and do some Poker 101 with Mr. Ron Reyes and Mr. Michael Sadi. I hope your math is wrong because it took you four episodes before you got around to us. So I feel like that ugly girl at the bottom of your dating list. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, so uh, thanks for the invite. And there's a lot of things that people are doing more so online during this lockdown. And aside from making their own podcast, apparently you're four apps into it. A lot of people are just making Zoom calls to everybody they can imagine and then posting the screenshot on Facebook. But the most, yeah, and they, the most productive thing people, are all... people have discovered is that you can play online poker. So I've never <laughs> been busier than wow. ever. I've never been this busy. People are also making a lot of bread online. I don't know if you've seen this. A lot of people are bakers now all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, everyone's selling something. That they make yeah, everybody's money. baking bread now like because they have the time to bake bread. That's ridiculous. Um, speaking of ridiculous, our next guest is the stand-up comedian for this episode. He is now based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And you can see him all over. He does a, a live stream with guys from the Philippines called The Kids Are Asleep. He also does something with local Malaysian comedians. Uh, please welcome on the podcast, Mr. Mike Sadi. Hey guys, uh, hi Chino, hi Ron. Uh, so nice to be invited. Uh, yeah, but I share Ron's sentiment. It it feels like it just feels like high school all over again. And uh, I I thought I was I left that part of my life behind already. It's been fifty years since that part, right? Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> fuck you, <laughs> Mike. I didn't know you were in Malaysia. How long have you been there? Uh, I've been here, bro, since about twenty eighteen. Is that, that apparently not long enough for you to get that accent uh, that I love so much? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can do it too. I, I can I can I can do it, but um, it's 
I'm racist, so I don't no, <laughs> I don't do it. Because we're not Malaysian, so we're not triggering that part of your brain, I guess. That is true. That is true. I <laughs> I, I have adapted to to the locals. <laughs> we're we're just assholes. That's why we're threatening <laughs> that part of his brain. I like I like how So anyway, Ron. Yeah. So Ron is here to tell us uh what do you, what have you prepared for us today, Ron? What do you what want have, to tell about the world of poker? What have I prepared? Uh, not much. Basically, just observing that during the lockdown. Uh, well, l- l- let's start from what I do. What, what I do now is I've been playing less the last few years and more, been coaching more. And also, I'm oh. the country manager for a poker application that runs on mobile phones. So, pre-lockdown, I've already been pretty busy basically teaching people not just how to play, but also how to use the app itself. But after the lockdown, man, it's like everybody who can dig up my name is messaging me and asking how to get on this thing. Uh, even people I've been trying to convince for the last five years to, to you know, to save their uh, grab money and just play poker from their their homes. Uh, they haven't given me the time of day until March 14. Uh, now they're all over me. Yeah, because so, <laughs> they don't have a choice anymore. <laughs> No choice, but it started out as them having no choice, but now they're discovering like, damn, why didn't we do this before? Why did I just like, what have I been doing going to casinos and and risking, you know, having to sneak back into the house? Uh, Yeah. Here, 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 here. (laughs) See, Mike, Mike, you play a lot of online poker, right? Uh, Yeah, I still do, actually. Uh, I, I, uh, when I got back here, I didn't really play a lot. I focused a bit more on stand-up comedy when things kind of settled down. I I think it was around the time of the World Series. I, I watched a lot and I kind of got the itch again. So I was looking for places I could play at. I started first with, um, was it Betfair, I think? I think it was Betfair. And uh, that wasn't that wasn't a good fit because right as I, right as I made an account, they banned it here in, in Malaysia. So I moved to Natural 8, and Natural 8 is better um, just for the people who are listening because uh, in Malaysia, I can actually um, withdraw and deposit more easily because they have local agents here. So so the payment and and, uh, and how you spend your money online, is it, uh, is it as secure or more secure than, say, doing it over here in the Philippines? Uh, I I wouldn't uh, in the Philippines. Um, I've I've uh, done a lot of transactions with Ron in the past, so it's a it's a, it's very it's. Um, I think in the Philippines, while our internet infrastructure is not as sophisticated as other countries, or the trust level is not, you really need a, a physical face, and people like Ron help bridge that gap so that you can go. Okay, if I give my money to the internet. <laughs> It'll actually go somewhere. Yeah. Like you're you're physically giving it to the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that that that's what most titos and titas think are happening. How can you how can you play? You're not how do you I put my money in the CD ROM drive? How do I venting machine? You try to straighten straighten out the thousand peso bill just so it fits into your copy disk drive. That's the that's the problem, Tito. They uh nobody accepts the five peso bill anymore. <laughs> oh my god, I collect those. I'll take those. <laughs> uh, 
So, Ron, I have a question. How does one actually get started uh, on a career in poker? Like, what made you decide to do this for a living? Okay, I'll tell my story because I think that might be Mike and everyone else's story. Okay. I was working in a, in a TV station and we were screening for shows to put on a sports channel and there was a show called The World Poker Tour. So as part of the job, I had to watch it uh, along with the rest of the team to see if it was worth airing. And of course, everyone is a skeptic, like who the fuck wants to watch old guys like play cards? You know, I do that at home when I'm with my dad and, and his friends and it's never fun. Uh, you know, I only end up like making them drinks. So anyway, we watched the thing. We realized like, oh, the way this thing is done where you can see the cards, it was very entertaining. So that actually opened a lot of doors for anyone who saw this on TV because it made it look so easy. I think that's the thing. Everyone who saw poker on TV and everyone who's seeing now on YouTube clips, they, they make it look like, wow, I, well, I can do that. So, so usually what happens next, like in my case, and I'm sure in other cases, is you start gathering your friends who've also seen the show and you go like, hey, let's try this thing we saw on TV. And then you, you set up a game and you play. And somebody's going to win because nobody knows what they're doing, right? So they're here. So whoever, <laughs> whoever's winning, he gets into it, it gets into his head that, hmm, I could do this for a living. I could quit my day job. To which uh, we're supposed to say, slow down. Uh, you, you ain't beating anybody. You know, it's like playing a pickup game with kindergarten kids and going, hey, I could go pro. So, but, but that doesn't stop a poker player. That's the reason why it booms so fast. Like if I got on a playground with, and beat some guys in basketball, I'm not thinking I can go pro. But poker has that kind of, it has that intoxicating thing, you know, where you feel like, well, I just beat all my friends and my friends are pretty smart. Ergo, I can beat the rest of the world. Uh, oh, well, yeah. In poker, you also don't have the threat of injury, right? <laughs> like in basketball. Um, well... <laughs> Well, if that if you haven't never had the threat of injury while playing poker, that means you haven't played high enough high, high enough stakes. <laughs> well, well, who's who's the injury coming for? That that's the question. Who's it coming from? Is it? It's not coming from the table. It's coming from the people you gotta come home to after a bad session. Uh, <laughs> hey, there we go. So, what year was this? What year did you start out uh, doing this full time? Well, uh, that was until I eventually. I think I saw it first 2004, so basically it's beating the office. And then afterwards, I found my way online to PokerStars. And I was doing, was doing all right there. And I started doing the math. Uh, there were some underground games starting between 04 and 06. And I was sneaking out to those at night, uh, missing some work. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, eventually I just did the math. Like, okay, if I play three times a week and I make this much, and my full-time job makes this much then, hmm, you know, uh, maybe I should try something else. Uh, of course, the first thing you do is you try to do both at once, uh, which wasn't as possible before because there weren't as many ways that you could play online. Like, I only played the free games. There, like, like Mike said, there wasn't a lot of ways to send your cash and, and get it in the site. Uh, there was a lot of credit card blockage and trust issues and, and all that. But then... The more people in this country started to play, the more the games became available, and eventually they started opening legal card rooms. So that that actually was my cue. Like uh, I, I forget, I think I started doing this full time online around 08. Wow. Okay. Uh, 
and then I got coaching and then I got trained to coach and then I didn't really go live until uh, 2009 I think when I decided to try the live games nice so Mike do you share the same story I guess did you start out the same way um yes basically the same way um it's it was quite it was quite uh, the same i i think i watched a few um episodes of the world poker tour and w wsop telecasts part of it also was the announcers they were very entertaining and it made you really engaged and um uh part of it i'm sure ron feels the same way but you know when you watch a when you watch a basketball game if you just watch a basketball game it may be entertaining but what really gives you really um makes you really dive into them is all the personalities and part of it is the commentators because they really give you an insight of what the people are thinking uh, you'll go oh this person uh raised uh raised here he's representing a flush and the other person can't call here because um, he he's only beating a bluff here, and his image is so tight that you know. And you just you just like, what does he mean by all these terms? And it just makes you want to learn more. Uh, so that um, that really uh, pushed me to you know do do my own research. I did. Uh, I enrolled in some um, poker training sites. Uh, that's basically a place where you would watch videos of professional poker players as they play online. And um, like uh, Ron said, uh, the number one place before was um, Poker Stars, um, followed um, shortly after by by Full Tilt Poker. But most everybody's playing on Poker Stars, and that's actually where I uh, I got my main start. I was also playing live, but not as much as playing online. I was playing a lot of uh, sit and goes, which are basically tournaments that start when a specific number of people get into the games. So uh, yeah, for this happens in person, like. You're in a place, or oh, no, the, 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 these are uh, these are online. But sit and goes can also happen um, at at live events. But All usually right. they have they usually happen uh, like if there's a if there's a giant tournament happening and a bunch of people busted out, meaning they lost the tournament. They're all hanging around and there's no cash games happening. Um, oh, so they oh. all they all look around and they'll say, "Is there a dealer? Can we get a sit and go?" And everybody just switches in like. 100 200 bucks and then they just you know top three people get paid then they usually play a small basically mini tournament yeah so parang consolation tournament like it's is, is that is the, is my understanding correct uh, is that... a consolation tournament in that um in that context but sit and goes can also just exist on its own um just because a bunch of people got together and said we will just play this tournament and maybe sometimes the prize is uh, a ticket to a bigger tournament Right. So yeah. Uh. So it, it's it's basically sometimes people use sit and goes in the sense that uh only difference between sit and go and a regular tournament is a regular tournament um starts um there's a minimum number of people that should join the tournament, but a sit yeah. and go can only start when you have nine people, when you have eighteen people, when you have twenty um twenty seven people. But a tournament, as long as you meet the fifteen people, it can start. But if later on people start coming in and then you end up to 100, that doesn't matter. But there's a minimum number of people that's supposed to start a regular tournament. But a sit-and-go, you have to start when you have this count. Right. Okay. So back to Ron. Ron, you talked about your coaching. No? How how did you start that? How did you work your way into teaching people how to play poker, essentially? 
uh, when you started yourself not knowing anything? Oh yeah, well like like Mike, I found my way through a coaching site, so I was really being the student for a while there, and then uh, I think the, my coach just figured that I also had the potential to teach the game. So after I was done, like I was training with him as a player, but on the side, uh, like after a year of that, he started training me also to be a coach. And I liked his approach because th this particular coach was not uh, focusing on technical things like, like uh, what to do in this situation or what to do in that situation. He, he was more teaching me like uh, the mental aspect of the game, like how to stay mentally strong, how to manage your life outside of poker. So I thought, hey, you know, that's something I would, that, that's something that resonates with me because uh, I'm like, my coaching style is I don't really want to teach someone how to make every move, you know, like if in a basketball game, you, you got to let someone find his own form and refine it from there. But some basketball trainers want to teach you, like you have to do this exact form with your feet in the exact place. And that's really not uh, a fit for how I imagined poker should be taught so i started just train uh kind of just consulting for people about keeping them sane mostly uh but then it expanded because i was being approached by like these old timers uh, like somebody's already playing and he says hey can you teach my dad and i was teaching these seniors how to go online and most of the time was spent on just teaching them how to use a modem and then the rest of the time was so, so it expanded into all these things. So, so now it's it's everything from how to play the game to how to use an app, and then to the more advanced things like how to play against someone who knows what they're doing. So you weren't kidding when you said uh, how to use the app is actually one of the more important things that you teach. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a lot, a lot of the people I talk to, they already know how to play the game. Uh, mechanically so they know the sequence they know they can get if they can get in a game they're going to know what to do but they they don't know how to use the app because they don't trust technology uh, and, <laughs> and a lot of it the battle is when getting people online the reason like some people have refused me for the last five years is just they don't trust anything they can't see they think they think everyone on the internet is a robot uh they right. think their money is going to some place and they're never going to see it again uh they think everything is rigged so that's that's what online poker is up against. This perception that once you don't see what's going on, if you can't see the guts of the engine, I mean, you can't see the dealer. So you uh, they always question where, how do I know these cards are are not set up? Uh, that, right. That's an uphill battle to climb. And I always have to tell them, um, you know, you ever been dealt like this unbelievable hand live in a casino by a live dealer? And the answer is always yes. They tell me. So. How come that's believable? And then something that took 50,000 hands to manifest is not. Uh, you know, it's something you just got to get used to. Right, right. So you talked about managing people's um, expectations uh, when it comes to the world of poker, especially people who come into it as a sort of get-rich-quick scheme, no? Um, is that is that something that's fairly common when you start out playing poker? Yeah, that's super common. It's the equivalent of watching an NBA game and then thinking you can go pro. But watching an NBA game, it, the things you cannot do are very obvious. I can't jump, I can't dribble, I can't shoot. So therefore, I I'm not I'm I'm gonna suck at this game. But since poker is such a mind game, they're seeing things. And, and like Mike said, uh, the commentators are giving such great explanations. It's sinking into the viewer, and they're thinking like. 
yeah, I can do everything that the commentator is talking about. I can bluff, I can keep a straight face, I can do this, I can do that. So there's nothing really physical preventing them from thinking they can be just as good as a guy who's been playing for 20 years. So that's, that's the great thing about poker, but it's also a pitfall for someone who wants to do it for a living, you know? It, it's fine, you want to do it to have fun. It's basically you're paying for entertainment. Uh, like I, I always used to say, like when someone's playing against a pro, the pro is basically entertaining the beginner by saying, you know, yeah. you're giving me, a ch I'm giving you a chance to beat me. And that's what you're, you're playing for. You're, you know, you're not going to win, but the thrill of playing against him. Uh, but a lot of poker players are not going to think that they're beginners. I mean, you think you're a beginner for the first two weeks and then, and then everyone has this conception that the skill has evened out. Uh, that's kind of the, the mindset they have. And it'll take a few more weeks before they realize uh, looks like there's a lot to learn. And, and that's when they step back. Uh, a lot of players, though, never get to the point where they realize they step back. They just keep thinking they're unlucky. And that's just going to be their mindset the rest of their lives. So for, for those guys, there's no cure. If they're not looking for help, they're not going to get help. Well, exactly. Exactly. So, Mike, you watch. I, you, I hear that... Uh, you told us, rather, that you started out with poker by just watching. So is that also where you picked up your technique, your tactics, the things you, you use in-game? Or did you uh, develop those along the way? Um, I, I actually kind of started um, in college. Uh, we used to play uh, five-card stud. Because um, I think, just to clarify, the what the poker we're talking about here is Texas Hold'em. Right, like this is um, the most popular form, right? Yep, Texas Hold'em, the, the two-card version. Uh, one I play was a five-card stud, the one where you get five cards and then you start removing and then you bet and then, you know, you raise and then you get new cards until you, you can make the best five-card hand or you can bluff someone out of the best five-card hand. So I used to play this in college and uh, I won a lot of money, fooling a lot of people. And it felt it felt nice, um, and I wanted to do something more more like that. So when I saw the World Poker Tour, I, I was kind of disheartened that it wasn't five card stud because I didn't know the game. But thankfully, like I don't know why, but if you watch the World Poker Tour, like the first two or three seasons, like every episode had the how to how to play, and um, it was kind of weird because like you would see it all the time and. It was a good way for you to like remember. Oh, this is oh, this is how you play. Oh, this is how you play. Okay, I get it. And um, then you would learn all the terms, you know, flop, turn, river. Uh, you learn all the rankings of the cards. Um, and uh, it, as far as uh, technique goes, um, I I kind of fluctuated between two. I um, I went from a very uh, tight, very tight, aggressive approach, uh, which is basically I only play good hands. Um, but people always used to read me as, okay, he's not going to put his money in until he has a good hand. So um, if I don't have good hands, um, people, uh, I, know I don't make any money. So what I, I mixed that up and I started playing loose aggressive, which is basically I started playing all the hands. Um, and I started um, bluffing more and I started playing against, I think that's the like, um, I think maybe Ron will mention that sooner or later, but there's like these levels that they talk about in poker, which is the first level is I think about um, what I'm holding. The second level is what am I? What is my opponent's holding? Third level is um, what does my opponent think I'm holding? Fourth level is what does my opponent think I think he's holding? And then you just keep going up from there, from there. Um, 
and I always used to play against what I what the what I perceive the opponent thinks I have versus what they have. Um, and uh, I also have a kind of a good memory. So I used to always remember how people's actions are on hands. So I'm very methodical that way. I love I love the theory, just like with comedy. I like I love nerding out about um, about stand up. I love nerding out about about yeah. poker as well. I like all the theory. Yeah, nice. Okay, so let's go to well, let's go to the levels then. What what exactly does Mike mean when he says levels, Ron? Well, the, anyone has ever seen the Princess Bride and the scene where he's got the Ayukin father and he's you know, uh, Vincini is sitting across, uh, what was his name? The pirate. Anyway, it, it's just, the first level is, uh, this is what I got. Second level is, I wonder what he's got. Just like, my, it's exactly what Mike said. And it, it goes all the way to infinity. Like, I think that you think that I think that you think that I think that you think. And it's easy to get lost in it. And so that's one of the things we tell beginning players is, uh, don't go don't go too far with these things because you're just going to drive yourself crazy uh, you end up with analysis paralysis because there's no end to i think you think i think you think so right parang, parang infinite oh, loop oh, of decision making because next the, thing you know is the guy's not even thinking of you you know you're just this paranoid yeah. wreck uh yeah right that's my that's my favorite term in poker actually is uh you leveled yourself because you just keep you overthink. He's like, but he must think that I think that I think. But actually, the guy's just going. I wonder what they're having for dinner at the casino. That's all he's carrying, thinking about in his head. He's actually not thinking about the hand. He's just, you know, you outlevel yourself, and then you just end up, you just end up folding the hand. You end up thinking that okay, I'm going to uh, play this hand like this, and he doesn't care. So you just have to, you know, um, inaction is probably the one of the things that you know drives a lot of poker players insane. Yeah, right. Because you, I watched, uh, I watched some poker back in the day then when it was on TV, and a lot of these poker players, um, they're big stars and they're very successful, but a lot of them are just like very nonchalant, very expressionless in the face. Like, sometimes and sometimes they're sleeping. So I guess that goes hand in hand, Beren, with what you guys are talking about, like how how people aren't overanalyzing their hands. Yeah, yeah. And one thing, like I used to tell like, students, if you go to a live poker game, look for the schmuck with the shades. That's the guy who's just new, because what you playing for a long time, they they ditch all of this protection. They ditch the hoodie. They ditch the shades. They just like look. It's a lot of overthink to think that someone's going to see what's in your eyes. Uh, a lot of poker players like to cover their neck because they can't control their pulse when they're excited and it throbs in their neck. But uh, the more get the more you get used to the game, you relax about it, these things just don't happen anymore. So, yeah, if, you, if you're playing live and you see a guy with all the shades and everything, uh, pretty good clue that he's, he's not too deep into this yet. Nice. So, me bonus tips, Kajan, for all you guys. Looking to get into poker. Speaking of getting into poker, you you glanced onto uh, you glanced on counseling a lot about how to separate your actual life from your poker life. Now, being that this is a gambling sport and gambling is a, an addiction, is there is there a huge arc sort of of people who are fall into the addiction? Uh, well, I wouldn't use the word addiction because it's so strong and general that it refers to something they can't get away from. Uh, a lot of the people who play poker recognize it 
for what it is, which is that it's more of a mind sport than a gamble. Uh, when a gambler gets into poker, he wouldn't be there for long because a, a gambler likes to bet on things he cannot control. That's where the thrill comes from. And a poker player like, like Mike is, is the opposite. The reason he plays poker is he likes to bet on things that he can have control over. So, so people who get into poker are basically have the gambler spirit. Uh, they're never giving up their baccarat and their roulettes and their all other things. They're just, they're just kind yeah. of just cooling down at the poker table. So, so those are the degens that, that uh, they don't really look for help either. I've, I haven't run into uh, a gambler type who, who's talked to me and said he wants to improve his poker game because their mindset is completely different. Their mindset is everything's random and uh, there's nothing to learn, you know. So, so it's a different right. creature who takes poker seriously. And, and a lot of these guys would, would never bet on anything, not even sports. Uh, so there, there isn't an addiction per se in that they got to wake up and they got to play, but it's more of like, uh, what gamers are going through where they just want every hand to play it the best that they can. And that's, that's where you could call it that that's the drive. If you want to call it addiction, you can go ahead. But yeah, no, I, th I totally yeah, get what you basically mean. Yeah. Like, uh, that wasn't 100% perfect the way I play that hand. I want to play the next hand and see if I can get that right in the next hand, the next hand. So that, that thing, that mindset of one more hand, one more hand, that's what makes it seem like an addiction. But it's just a right. search for perfection, you know? Yeah, okay, yeah. It's it's more, it, they treat it more as a sport, right? more than actual, I suppose, gambling. Yeah, same. Like if I play a pickup game and we lose, we want to play another one and something. There's nothing to play yeah. anymore. I just want to stay and shoot free throws. Except no one, no one wants to stay behind and pick up the ball for me. So it's not as much fun. Yeah, I I spent my fair share inside casinos, um, because I always go with my dad. Um, and I've always noticed that uh, the hold'em tables are very segregated from the rest of the casino. Like they're not in the same area as say the blackjack tables or. The craps tables or the slots tables they always have their own little cordoned off section uh inside casinos and actually the way you explain it to me explains a lot it's because a lot of these guys don't really feel the urge you to know, play anything you know, else you know, other than poker segregation is, is a nice little word because it implies they're not welcome which is they're not they're not welcome uh the analogy here is that uh, a poker section to a casino is like what a swimming pool is for a hotel. It's an amenity. It, it's something to so people won't leave. It says like if you went to a hotel without a swimming pool, you might say, "Well, I'm not thinking of going swimming, but if I do, I'd have to go somewhere else. I'm not staying at this hotel." But it's not really a money maker. No one charges for you to swim in a hotel. They just need to have it there. So having a poker section at a casino is kind of the same thing because you don't want to be the casino that doesn't have it, and they find their way to the other one. But if the casino had their way. There would just be like one or two poker tables, and everyone else would be in 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 the gambling games. Right, right. Wow. Okay, that explains a lot. Yeah, that explains so much. Um. So going back to Mike, Mike, uh, do you have a preference? I should say preference uh, when it comes to games. Like, are there things you look for before you join a certain game, or is it very randomized for you? Um. Okay, that's a that's a good question. Uh, when I, I well, without going into, I think uh, 
you probably want to know the answer for live because online it, there's like there's like yes. numbers you use yeah. to check uh which i i will not bore our listeners there's a uh, plenty of things um... don't, don't worry mike nobody's listening to this <laughs> oh okay no not I didn't yet yeah i had I took a piss when Ron went out about the diction. He's like, ah, <laughs> boring. <laughs> um, so, for me, um, uh, what do I what do I look for? Um, I think I look for, hmm, I there like specific personalities I look for when I go to a casino. I look for like, um, I look for old guys that like to complain. Like if I see an old guy who looks like he's at the end of his rope, that's the guy. That's the guy I want because he has no like he like he's he's so pissed off already. Like I like the the every time I'm like um the way that the way that poker is right now, uh in in the Philippines um I always I first of all I only play kind of late at night because I want to play against drunk people, and it's more likely that I'll get drunk people at night. Right. Um, and the next thing I do is, of course, since there are a lot of people waiting, I'm like on a wait list. So when I'm at the wait list, I don't go to the bar. I don't go to the slots. I just hang out near the area and I look at tables, which I may want to join in. So the people I look for are people who like to get up after a hand and go to somebody and complain. And say like, oh my God, you won't believe what that guy did or what that guy did. And I always think that those, pe- those people... Are like level one, level two thinkers because they're always they're always like luck based and they're or so angry that those are the people that you want to like you you can easily read what they have because they're super confident when they have a hand and they overcompensate when they don't have a hand and these are the same people who have pocket kings and the moment an ace comes on the flop they don't care they're like he'll he'll just throw up his hands and say. I there was no way I could fold the hand. I had pocket kings. I like it's like I'm virtually screaming to you. I have an ace on the flop, and you you just want to give me your three thousand pesos, and I will not say no to it. I will not say no to it. So uh, those are the people I I look for. Um, for but I I don't know. For me, I don't know. It, it's different. Um, for me, for Ron, because Ron said that he looks for the people who are like decked up in the shades in the hoodies. And when I look at those people, I kind of think to myself, those kind of look like they think they're pros. That's oh, what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, because I noticed like a lot of like players try and do the chip shuffle. Like what is the, uh, the you know how when they play with the chips and they shuffle oh, it? Oh, we like, know the chip shuffle. <laughs> right? Like, I've never this is the I I've never really gotten down the chip shuffle. But what does that tell you about the player when they start doing that? Is that like a pakul move or is it like a psychological tell? Do they do? Do they want to achieve something by doing that, or I'll, are they just doing it? I'll give I'll give you my answer, then I'll, then Ron <laughs> will tell you the correct answer. <laughs> For me, uh, chip shuffling is is not a big deal. Chip 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 shuffling is like um, chip shuffling is like somebody who can um, who can do a crossover, but there's no defenders. It's like right. a cool. Th- it's a cool thing to do, but it doesn't really tell. Um, the more you play, though, you keep seeing people do it, and it's just something to do with your hands if you're bored. So um, it's not something that you can kind of overthink. 
Um, it, people do a lot of different kinds of chip shuffling. And I would say that the better a person is at the chip, shuff, chip shuffling, that's kind of a tell for me that that person hangs around tables a lot because he's gotten so bored that he's perfected all these. He's perfected the ones where you start from your hand and then you roll the chip all the way back to your other hand. Yeah. The ones where you flip the chip up, up in your hand. Um, the shuffling, the one where you shuffle, but you start with a really big stack and then you start making it smaller and then chip shuffling like that. Um, yeah, th- those are those are the those are like the kind of tells that I use. Right, right. So it's a run. Yeah, it's kind Mike, of on, correct? on the same page where you don't <laughs> want to overthink it. Uh, I like what Mike said. Basically, it boils down to someone who's very good at shuffling these chips who spent a lot of time at the table. It doesn't tell you if he's any good. It doesn't tell you anything other than he spent enough time there that he could. Because uh, the chip shovel that I know, the only one I know where you ripple the chip, I didn't study it. It just kind of happened. So a lot of these guys, like they might, they might look at a diagram of where where to start, or they might ask another player, "How do you do that?" But for them to get really good at it is just a lot of unconscious uh, application. Like they just play with it and play with it. So it doesn't mean as much as you like it to mean. Uh, there, are, there are other things that mean a lot more. Like uh, unfortunately. Uh, Mike alluded to it when he said he looks for old people. Uh, we're guilty of a lot of profiling and stereotyping. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> a lot of it is backed by experience, but just think of it as a baseline. It's like saying, like, if I see somebody Chinese, there's a pretty good chance he speaks Chinese. I mean, it's not a crime. It's not, I don't, we don't mean to be offensive, but we do the same kind of thing when we're looking like, okay, who, who do we want to play against? So, like I said earlier, anyone overdecked. Uh, with the shades and everything, I, I want to play against him and I want to engage him in the chat because if I figure out what book he's read, then I know what playbook he's going to be using on the table. So sometimes they give it away. Uh, like a new student is so excited to be talking about the game because he's still discovering it. He's going to reveal these things. He's going to reveal what he read. He's going to even express to the table. Like he'll read hands out loud, like analyze out loud like showboating then you can tell which which playbook he's he's uh he's read recently so that's that's a weakness and then like mike i like playing with the old guys uh not so much the whiners mike likes the whiners because he can get under his skin but for me just in general uh they just they just play more straightforward so they're less of a headache to to play against they're there to pass the time in, in the experience that i've had with uh playing with the old guys live so they're they're not they're not as fancy as, as the young guys. Uh, what else? I look for people like Mike said. Look like at the end of the rope. And one thing I, I look at when I'm uh, even on the table is I look for someone hindi na mabiti. He's just riffling it and riffling it and riffling it and riffling it because people who touch their chips, it's anxiety release. It's a lot of extra energy release, and that's the first victim is they keep touching their chips. And I like to train people to play a whole session without ever, ever touching your chips unless you're betting it. So if I see a guy who hardly touches his chips, that's kind of more dangerous than a guy who can't let it go. Uh, it's going to go in bad. He's just waiting because you can almost read his mind like there's a thought bubble while he's angrily shuffling his chips. Like, well, young chips, I don't even care anymore. Can't get a hand. First ace, I'm going to go. You, you can see it really steaming on top of his head. So I look for that. Nice, nice. It's nice hey, that you hey. brought... 
you know, I, I'm gonna add one more. I, I think I'm gonna add one more, one more quick tip. Um, you know, you you should what you should look for is people who have two separate oh, yeah, chip nice. stacks. Um, was one chip stack is their buy-in, and then the other chip stack is their profit. So yeah. what they want, so what that means is that they're willing to lose their profit chip stack, which means that um, if you have a hand that you think is good, um, you can bet the you can bet um, their profit stack because you know that they'll just call because that means that the, their night is not a waste because they didn't lose anything they just broke yeah, even. They broke, they broke even exactly. Yes. Wow. And at, the, at the same time, if you have a bluff hand, what you do is you bet more than their profit stack. Because then they're not going to be willing to lose their profit, their their initial stack as well. So that's that's like a good. Because um, it's 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 a visual thing. People who have like a separate chip stack. So you just need uh, to bet more if you're bluffing. You just need to bet more than their uh, than their profit stack, and they cannot call because they don't want to lose that money. So you can effectively push them off better hands. So uh, that's a that's a that's a tell that. Um, uh, people um, give off unknowingly. Because um, if you're a, if you're just a player who's just focused on today, all you care about is um, how does this how will this night turn out for me. But if you're a proper poker player, or if you're a poker player that cares about the game, um, you care about long-term decisions. So I know that this is the best play long-term. I may be wrong now, pero tomorrow I will adjust accordingly. Pero I should still do. The same thing later because mathematically it'll even out, and I, it'll always be the right decision. Right. Okay. So now we go into decision making. You no, know, like like we've have been, we have been doing for the past few minutes here. You know, when it comes to decision decision making, um, the, is that a skill you develop in your brain on how deep you have to go before you can make a bet? Or is that something you can actually learn? Well, this is my favorite part when talk about poker is to get out of the get out of the mindset of talking about cards and boil it down to it's a game of decisions, and decisions come from information. So the skill set really uh, is the gathering of the information, because uh, the information isn't all available. So it's like a puzzle; you have to look at the picture, but there's going to be pieces missing, and you make a decision based on that incomplete picture. So that's really what the game is, which is why I like to take a guy out the poker table, and then and then I believe that how how a guy how one person does something is pretty much how he's gonna do everything. So if I see a guy like reckless at the poker table, like playing any two cards, and I take him to a basketball game, he's gonna play the same way. He's gonna shoot willy nilly from whatever spot, you know. I I've seen it over and over, and he, they kind of make the same uh, approach to every other decision in their life. So that's why. I don't really, when I train a guy, I don't really train a guy how to play because you can't do that. You can just train him like how to be better at gathering information. Just tell him what to look for so he knows what he's supposed to recognize. Like stop wasting time looking to see in his eyes if he's lying just because you saw Tim Roth do it and lie to me or whatever. Uh, instead, <laughs> yeah, instead, look, uh, I can tell him like, okay, if you're going to spend energy looking at eight other guys uh, you're wasting your time. Just pick one or two guys who you think are the targets and then just study them so you save 70% of your energy. Then he say, okay, what am I going to look for? And then I'll tell him where to look and I'll tell him where not to look. 
and then he can put the information together on his own. Bala na siya doon. The decision-making, siya pa rin yon. But what I tell them is, you know, if you have a read, go with it. Don't be afraid to be wrong. If you're wrong, then you look at your process. You review it. Okay, how did I get that wrong? Merong maling info or may maling interpretation. Then go with it next time. But the thing you cannot do is gather the information and then not decide. Then you're not playing the game. So that's the thing I really like about the process of poker is making a decision. And you get to make one every minute. Right. Okay. Because there's a second decisions, Jen. Once, once the cards are dealt, you already start deciding yeah. what to do. Right? If you're going to call, if you're going to phone. Right, right. So, Mike, Ikaw, do you go through the same process as well? That your same philosophy uh, yeah. when um, you play the like like Ron also I, I I really like the um the process of just talking about hands and that's like one of the things that I really kind of enjoyed when when I was um, living in Singapore I used to hang out with a bunch of people um, and we used to like nerd out like um, before and after games we would nerd out about uh, theory and how to play. Um, I remember I wrote this kind of, it was a weird kind of satire article that I wrote, which basically I said what you should do. Well, I basically said that aces are the worst card ever, but I phrased it in a way to say that the the reason I say they're the worst is because people just want that all the time. Because the thing with aces is you always end up winning a small pot, but you always end up losing a big pot because uh, you're, you're just so invested in it because you think that, it is the best card. You can't lose in it. And what ends up happening is, actually, the thing for me is every time I get aces, I get I get nervous. I hate it because I'm like, oh my God, how much money am I going to lose here? Because you, you just think like, I can't lose here. Like more often than not, I'm just going to be beating whatever this guy has. And then as soon as you see the flop, you're just like, this fucker just hit two pair on me with this queen deuce. I knew it. I know it. This fucker just called me on the flop with queen deuce. He's going to stack me tonight. And... Uh, yeah, I, 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 I like the I like the analysis um of of playing. I like um I like going through um historical data against people. I like reading tendencies, I like to like listening on conversations and see where a person's head is. Um and um I like I like just to be I like to be quiet on the table if I don't know anyone. But if I am noisy at the table, I want to give off this personality like I'm this weird, brash, crazy, funny person. But I'm just very methodical and just paying attention to what everybody's doing at a time. Uh, another thing I'm at at the table is I'm a stickler for the rules. So I really hate it when somebody folds and then somebody says, turn over that hand, turn over that hand. And I'm like, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He just called. He doesn't have to. And I'll, I'll fight people for that. I'll fight people on like, no, no, that's not, that's not proper etiquette. You can't turn that over. You can't turn that over. Or I like somebody will be like, um, like I will, um, like uh, you'll see the old guys always do this. The old guys will be like, they'll bet and then somebody will call. And then when they call, they'll be like, show me your hand, show me your hand. And be like, no, sir, um, I called. So you have to show me yours first. No, no, no. You show me yours first. I want to see what you have. No, sir. You show me what you have. And then. I will have the decision whether or not I can show my hand, and I w- really want to push that point because I don't. I really hate the old guys that like have this old men, old style mentality. Na, um, you know, beating you is somehow a mark of masculinity. But it's like, dude, it's a one. It's one game. It's one hand. Just 
relax. Your wife doesn't your wife doesn't love you. Don't be mad at me because of it. I know how to pick up right now. I'm going to put together again. It's going to so, be everyone's above 60. So so much hate for the elderly. God. Uh, so, uh, Ron, being the resident coach of this episode, is poker etiquette something that you teach your students as well? And does it also, um, is it also involved in the decision making well, process it's, you it's try to train the them with? Because, um, like, you can teach anyone how to play the game, but you also have to teach them. Uh, for me, my approach is like this: any like anything you do, if you're gonna play this game, you want to be the best you can at it, right? And they say, "Yeah, of course." Well, being a good person is part of being the best you can at. It. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, I can I can only give them like the basics, like don't slow roll, don't gloat. Um, you know, if if you don't have to talk, don't say anything. Uh, this this guy Barry Greenstein has a very good rule: after you win a hand, don't say a thing. That's it. Practice that. Just take take your winnings and don't say a thing. Someone says nice hand, you say thank you. Don't explain anything. And then when you lose, maybe you're allowed to talk, but basically rule of thumb is don't say anything if you don't have to. It's the same like when I say don't touch your chips. Just, just sit there and be uh, a good person to be around. So, yeah, you can show them the etiquette, but bottom line, there's personalities involved. And some people... Are really have that personality of being a being a, a table parent, what they call a table parent. You know, whenever something goes wrong, they just gotta call it out. That's their personality. Uh, if they're not willing to work on removing that from their personality, you can't really force them. You just point it out and say, you know, like I could tell Mike right now, you don't have to complain, just let it go. I agree nice. with you. I agree with you. That 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 is definitely something I should be working on. Uh, but it, I, I don't know. I don't know why I feel the need to correct these people because I think it's just that my my fear is always this. I don't like any weird unnecessary tension at the table. And whenever I see an old guy be a dick like that, I want to be like, I'm being nice to you. The next person you slow roll or you gloat at might might not be as nice. Might wait for you at the parking lot, and you you cannot and you don't you don't need that. You don't need that in your life. So. <laughs> You know, just be. A... You're gonna wait in the parking lot for a 75 year old. Like the easiest ass kicking I've ever done right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the right amount of toughness Mike has. I like. You can like only no, pick no, no, on no. people with walkers. I am. I am only. I only pick on people 85 and above. I've already lost to a 75 year old. I want to go because poker players are basically bullies. <laughs> like, uh, like people who do it for a living, they're not looking to play against the best. That that's a different mindset. People who do it for a living are looking for people they can beat. So here's Mike looking to yes. beat up some guy or some with walkers. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. As we wrap up, I know we've gone through a lot of tips. Um, but do you have any more tips you want to give our listeners uh, when it comes to the game of poker, especially for those first timers well, to get into it? Is if you want to learn the game as fast as you can, play online. 
So you get over that technological hump once you once you figure out how to get on a game online. It's the fastest thing because you're you're getting four times as many hands per hour. Uh, and then the thing about online is I can be on Skype with you and talking to you about your game as you play. Can't do that live, you know. People, are gonna, <laughs> you you just can't. Uh, and then online, all your hands are saved. So what I have students do is just save all the hands that you think are interesting or that you have trouble with. Send it to me. We'll set up a session. We'll get on a call like this one or some screen sharing call, and then we'll talk about the hand. And we can do it at our leisure. So again, something you can't do live because when someone is playing mostly live and they ask me for help, they have all kinds of inaccurate recollections of what happened. They just remember their motion, but they don't remember the sequence. Uh, but when you save a hand online, it's all there. It's all there for me to point out. Here, here's where you could have done better, and here's where you couldn't. So that's my advice. Uh, find a way to play online, and uh, I'm very biased. So I will say that the fastest way to play poker online is to download PP Poker. <laughs> right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I was gonna give you time to to put yourself over later on, but go right ahead. What do you? What's the name of your site again? Para yeah, people can log on and enjoy. Two piece. Okay, it's two piece and the word poker. Uh, you you can just go www.pppoker.net and then you can get it for your Android, your iOS, anything but a Mac. Uh, you on your mobile, just go to the App Store, Play Store. You type those three piece and then the word poker. You're gonna see it. And then from there, you can hit him. And that's how they reach you so as well for coaching? And how do they reach you for coaching? Person, and then uh, I kind of gauge what your objectives are going to be. Like, if, if you just want to chat randomly, we can do that. But if you want, like, a structured learning course, then we can design something that takes 16 weeks. So case to case, Nayan. I used to do it in batches. But now that there's really no opportunity to meet, uh, one on one is fine. Right, right. Mike, you know, do you have any tips for any first timers um, looking to get into it? Yeah, you. Um, I would. Uh, maybe just. Uh, I definitely echo whatever. Um, Ron said. Uh, to go online because that is definitely the fastest way. Um, to get yourself acclimatized to playing poker for people who haven't played. Um, there are plenty of, um, you know, free games you can play online that, you know, there's, um, of course, a Zynga poker and there are plenty of poker apps that you can download for your Android or for your I, um, iOS devices. Um, I would also add that you could probably check out um, watching, um, like I like we said, the World Poker Tour episodes on YouTube. There are plenty of um, episodes there from the World Poker Tour or the World Series of Poker. Um, those are, I think, the the ones that kind of get you a nice glimpse on the, like, they'll show you highlights of hands and not the other side. Other um, shows that I like to watch are more in depth and they're like the whole game. It's like almost like you're sitting down at the table with the guys. It's a lot of like boring banter that you know I I find interesting, um, and it's a lot of inside jokes that you're if you're familiar with like uh, everybody's history with and beef with each other you're familiar with. Um, but yeah, just start playing. Um, my, my, I would like just to add that uh, if you think that uh, you want to go pro, um, you can't. 
that's my my thing is that you 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 can't uh no matter no matter how good you are right now if you think you can go pro uh don't um until you until it's absolutely 100% clear that you should you should go pro even then you should also doubt yourself because it's it's very difficult to be uh, be profitable at this game i think the first step you should look at it is try to have fun because i think a lot of people play the game and they think it's fun to you know take money from people and it's fun to make a lot of money okay what happens when you have a bad day what happens what happens then you can sum up what he's saying as stay in school don't quit your day job <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah, don't like listen to this comedy. podcast. You'll just be tempted to play. Who's an open mic? You know, don't think like, hey, I'm a funny guy. I'm gonna get on stage and I'm gonna ask for five thousand for three. No one's gonna give it to you. You know, do do your open mics, and the yeah, exactly. will tell you. You will clue you in when you're ready. It's not when you feel you're ready, but you're you're gonna see all the signs that you know you're gonna start getting offers. Then you know you're there. And that does it for episode number four, all about poker. Did you guys learn anything? Did you pick up some tips? Are you ready to walk away from the table because you realize it's so much more complicated than playing cards? <laughs> now, I have to say, towards the end of the episode, Michael Sadi uh, actually cut out, and that's because he was abducted by the Rakyat. That's the religious police of Malaysia because he was talking so much shit about old people. So much shit about old people. And now I think he's being abducted and taken to somewhere in Sabah. I can't be sure. But before he left, he actually told me that you can find more Mike Sadi at Michael Sadi Comedy. That's Michael spelled traditionally. Sadi, S-A-D-D-I, Comedy. All in one word on Facebook. Also, check out Ron Reyes's poker app. That's PP Poker um, on the App Store, on the iOS Store, and all that goodness. Again, my name is Chino Liao. You can find all the episodes of Class Clouds on Spotify. Just type in Chino Liao on there or Class Cloud, whichever works for you. And we'll see you again next week for more Class Clouds.